Nika. Quarter past ten, Steve finds in the house. Go. Do you know what? What? Something good happened this week. Hurrah! <laughs> you don't hear that often on Steam Radio these days. There was this stunning moment when, in the High Court, um, a decision was made ruling that the government's ban on face masks was unconstitutional. Now, you, you can argue about the validity of the decision, the issue itself, but what it showed, for one golden moment... Well, until perhaps later today. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, no, no, I'm just talking at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It showed two things which were absolutely vital for the future of Hong Kong. Number one, that the separation of powers is alive and kicking. Number two, that you can go to a court of law in Hong Kong, even if you are the government, and be overruled in that court. In other words, the thing that we keep talking about, that the rule of law is supreme. You should have seen the sort of size of relief that went through various people in the business community thinking, my God, despite all of this, despite all of what's going on, Hong Kong has managed to retain that absolutely cardinal value and advantage over other places in the region. Are you speaking too soon, though? Well, come the afternoon and, you know, the light was extinguished immediately. Not only did um, the usual suspects um, from Beijing immediately pop up and say that they didn't like this. I mean, you know, criticising a ruling of a court, a bit dodgy, but that's OK. But criticising the very ability of the Hong Kong's courts to rule on constitutional matters, something that they've been doing for the last 20-odd years, was absolutely staggering. They've had a seven-pronged attack, an acceptable rule of something attack, and one of the one of the bodies, of course, is the Hong Kong government. But they've yes, yeah. Well, the Hong, the, the Hong Kong government, bless them, they just get the script from Beijing and read it out. Is they they just no. read out the same script? Um, uh, oh, they're lovely. They're, 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 they're such good readers. Well, they're not actually. But they're, they're, I don't even bother to talk about what their their response was because it was whatever it was dictated to be. But I mean, this is this sent this. You know, you get this this flash of light, and you think, my. God, Hong Kong, despite yeah. all its troubles, has has the basic things going for it, i.e. the rule of law. Well, it does, though, doesn't it? Well, it does, but, but, it. but they're saying we have ways of making sure that doesn't function. So they're now talking about two things. One is another of these infamous reinterpretations of the basic law. There's been five already, in case anybody's missed the plot on that. So this will be the sixth to overrule the ability of the Hong Kong courts to deal with constitutional matters, despite the fact that it is clearly stated in the basic law that Hong Kong courts can do that, but once you've reinterpreted out of the law, this is called an amendment when I was a child. When you changed a law, you amended it. They call them reinterpretations, but never mind. How come nobody just calls them changing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that would I be a bit... I don't like this. That, that would be a bit blatant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that will possibly happen. If that doesn't happen, the government actually has a perfectly valid uh, right to go to the courts and say we didn't like that decision. Remember, this decision can still go um, to two higher levels of courts. That actually is quite proper. I think, you know, you can appeal against decisions. This is an important decision. It certainly is one that ultimately um, could be judged in the court of final appeal. But anyway... What's so scary is that they don't actually want to use the existing legal process that exists in Hong Kong. They're now going to the courts to get a, um, an injunction to keep the illicit law 
functioning while they go through this extended process. So, I mean, the whole thing is a mess. But in case anybody's forgotten, that moment of light in the gloom, I mean, mm. this is the gloom which um, couldn't really be much darker than it is at the moment. You know, the, the events at PolyU, the um, news that something like 4,400 people have now been arrested, um, they've now um, apparently issued something like 10,000 uh, rounds of tear gas. That incidentally compares with something like four to 500 that were used in the 1960s during the um, anti-government riots. Right. The riots the that riots everybody when, talks when about. When 67 yeah. people were killed. When, just remind you, you know, look at the proportion of proportionality of what's happening here. In the 1960s, there were not one, but, you know, dozens of fatalities. It's controversial how many fatalities have resulted from the current, um, the current protests, but it isn't in those numbers. I think that is absolutely clear. But, you know, in those days, even though the situation was beyond terrifying, the police... And remember, at that time, the garrison was also mobilised. It's quite interesting. Showed, showed a level of restraint and control that doesn't exist. How do you know that there is no control? Well, thank you, Sophia Chan, the, the secretary for what she called health, welfare, no, no, health and blah, 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 stands up in LegCo. Somebody says to her, you know, we're very worried about all this tear gas. Can you, can you find out what it... Um, what it contains, you know, where it comes from. These, these are not, I think, uh, questions that, that, that cannot be in the public domain. And she answered, in case anybody missed this, saying, well, I'd like to, but the police won't let me. She's now, just been honest. Now, now, yes, but I mean, isn't that an extraordinary state of affairs where the police now dictate to their political masters what can and cannot be said in public? Now, we've had a change of police commissioner. Stephen Lowe, um, who, um, uh, whose departure is regretted by, oh, that's right, nobody whatsoever, including his own, his own people. I mean, th this is the man who never once showed up on the front line while all this was going, has been replaced by Chris Tang, who on day one, day one of his, of his um, office weighs into the political debate. I mean, this is terrifying. Policemen are not supposed to be part of the political debate. You know, he, he was talking about the fact, I mean, this isn't a surprise, but the fact that he does this on day one, he starts talking about the fact of he doesn't want to see a, an independent inquiry, and then starts, in case anybody missed that he's getting involved in politics, he then starts talking about the so-called demands of the protesters, which, um, according to him, are just slogans. Well, He's entitled to his private opinions. Yeah. He's the commissioner of police. It is not their job to set the policy of the government. And from day one, he's laying down, hey, I'm in charge now. If you think I'm going to be um, stepping back from the political arena. So we're in a situation where you have a new commissioner of police who, who hasn't even waited 24 hours before setting out his stall as someone who's going to tell the government what to do. We have the uh, 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 one of um, Carrie Lamb's waxworks in the shape of, of uh, Sophia... Um, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, <laughs> Sophia Chan, Chan um, standing up and saying she'd like to give an answer, but the police haven't given her permission to do so. 
you know, this is very worrying. And then you have, of course, this business with the rule of law. Now, I'm still, maybe I'm too stupid for words, I'm still clinging to the possibility that the integrity of the system will be preserved and somebody will have the courage to stand up and say, you know, this is, this is, this is bottom line stuff. It's very interesting that the person who did stand up is Andrew Lee, the former um, Chief Justice, who I think is a respected figure around Hong Kong. He's not a politically divisive figure. He's respected in both camps. He, he made the point, which everybody should have been listening to very carefully, that indeed Beijing does have the right to um, use its powers of interpretation of the basic law, but they should be used... I'm using his words with extreme caution and, mm. and, and with, with extreme reserve, which clearly isn't the case because it's the first response to a problem rather than the last one. So there's all that going on this week. Just let me ask you a question Go about on. that. Is it not human nature when in the midst of what everything is going on now, a new bloke takes charge and isn't it human nature to stand up and say, right, I've got this, no more Mr Nice Guy? Crank, you, the, you crank could, the leash as you, you take do you the dog for a walk. you know what you could do? I mean, I do understand that. I do understand that. You could, you could do that. He could say, you know, he could say, that Stephen Lowe was a piece of what's it? No, seriously, he won't say that. But he could say, look, I'm a... He's saying there are no flies on he me. He could say, I'm Mr. Tough. What he can't say, because actually it goes against civil service rules in case anybody still bothers about these little peculiarities, is he cannot launch himself into the political debate. Well, that ship has sailed, that, I'm that afraid. That ship has sailed. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, it is it is particularly in circumstances like this, I can understand why a new commissioner of police would like to set out his stall as being a tough guy. Whether that's appropriate or not, let's have that discussion. But what he can't do is just flagrantly disregard civil service rules and, uh, uh, and say... I think this you're is fine. <laughs> well, you know... You know, I mean, I'm old-fashioned. I think I if know. you've got a rule book, you might want to look at it every now and again. So I don't know. I really don't know. And I mean, and the thing which I think you know, everybody does need to notice because I I, I heard somebody who who actually I know very well on on this very radio station, David Swig from the University of Science and Technology, saying that the the, the new act that that's gone through both the House of Representatives. And the Congress has um, really has has no impact at all. I'm not sure that is true. I think it's a question we're all interested in. What do you know? Well, what I know is that that um, it is, of course, gesture politics. Let's not doubt that. But the point is, it's an important gesture. It's saying to Beijing, you know, if you want to do a Xinjiang on Hong Kong. The whole world is going to be watching you very carefully. Let's not worry about the specifics of what the Act does and doesn't do. It is saying we've actually managed in this highly divided US Congress to get everybody on the same side of this argument. We've got very powerful people in Washington watching what's happening in Hong Kong. You can't put a million people in internment camps here. It just, it just won't won't wash you know this isn't Xinjiang where you can get away with all sorts of atrocities and nobody could quite see them but I think the thing which is really important about this new U US Act and it goes to the very heart of the people you know the Carrie Lambs um, the John Lees I mean all these you know 
fairly irrelevant people. But the fact is that they will personally be named and shamed and not allowed to go to the United States. Is that a fact? Because that's the thing. Well, that's people part have been... of the legislation. Yeah. That's part. Of, I mean, I, we ought to just emphasise that it hasn't been signed off on by the very wonderful Donald Trump. But even if he refuses to sign it, yeah. which he may do, which he may do, it's very clear that there is a two-thirds majority in the Congress to overrule his, his lack of endorsement. So whichever way you look, this law is going through. It may be delayed, it may stick in the White House for, for, for a, a longer period than people w would like. Remember, it's, it's been expedited through the process at astonishing speed in, in terms of US legislation. But I think the thing that, that, that really worries these people is, you know, the, the, the waxworks, the, the chief executive in name only, all these people who want to send their children to universities in America, you know, despite their great love of the motherland, they never <laughs> want to send... Everything for China except <laughs> Everything for it. China except <laughs> for our own money and our own children. Yeah. So, you know, this will, this will affect them personally. And I always say that when you affect people in their pockets and in their face... They start to pay attention. Pockets is the big one, yeah. isn't it? Well, it will affect... I mean, they, they, they could be subject to, to, to bans on um, holding bank accounts in US jurisdiction. You know, I mean, of course, I don't and doubt. Just I don't think for one moment that any of these people would be shipping money overseas. <laughs> And just at the time Julian Assange overseas. is likely to uh, appear again. <laughs> yeah, well, they, 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 <laughs> the they could, they, they could all share, they could all share a, a cell in the detention area in the immigration hall. Quick question from Andy, who writes in. Steve's obviously not a lawyer, but he might have a handle on this. Um, congratulations yeah. on that one, by the way. I'm not a lawyer, honest. Andy says, are bandit-style bandana face masks still fine for the cops, as well as not displaying official numbers, uh, supposedly to present what is called doxing, exposing online? Well, I have to say, I mean, throughout the period where face masks were theoretically banned, which incidentally was only a few weeks and it was, it was seen to be an unenforceable law, the police continued to wear them. And they did actually have an exemption right. for doing so. Remember, there was a whole question about whether journalists covering the dispute would also have an exemption. And it was made very clear that they would accept for when they wouldn't, which was very helpful. But... I have to say, I, I was travelling through Kowloon last night and mm -hmm. I was flabbergasted. As everybody knows, a lot of traffic lights are out of, out yeah, of how order. How easy is it to fix so, it? I mean, so a genuine I, I question, how easy is it? To I, fix I, I don't know. Light? No one was fixing them, but there was, a, there was a very big road junction that I came to. Yeah. And it was being manned by policemen in masks. This is traffic duty. Well, it's bad pollution, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they were they were labelless, you know. They didn't have their their numbers on their on their shoulders. They were wearing masks and riot gear to control the traffic. I have to say, I thought that was a bit overkill. They there, there was no there was no instantly the traffic chaos wasn't caused by people throwing rocks or or, or, or anything. It was simply caused because there weren't any traffic lights in they, the area. They were, they were traffic wardens. That's what they normally <laughs> wear. Listen, we're going to go to the news in just a second. Love to hear from you. Anything yeah. on your plate. Morning Brew at rthk.hk. Thanks very much, Andy. I hope that helped. You probably know just as much as we do. But uh, well done for getting in touch. Uh, in about 10 minutes, Steve will be back. We'll do a little bit more. What, what do you reckon? What, can we talk a bit about perhaps what this um, we, talk, we, we talking might... in the UK about BNOs and perhaps yeah, and, 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 and the the, um, the the guy from the British consulate yes. who, who's revealed what happened to him. 22 minutes to 11 o'clock right now. Still in with Steve Vines. I've got an email uh -huh. uh, from a bloke with a very interesting name. Not 
Stephen by it, any chance? It could be. Now, could, Steve, could, could Steve be says a... related to BNOs yes. and the Hong Kong Democracy Act with its potential powers, should the UK be stepping up with much of the same? Cancel Carrie and her cronies' British passports and their families, he says. Well, that that is interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether um, uh, he's aware... That there has been some small development in in the British election in that the Liberal Democrats, who incidentally won't be I know. forming the next government, but but they may well be part of a coalition, have pledged in their manifesto to give full passports to BNO holders. And remember, when the BNO scheme was first launched, which was obviously in 1997, uh, literally millions of people. I think 1.7 million. I can't. Oh, maybe it was over two million. Anyway, it was a lot of people applied for these um, travel documents because they are obviously travel documents. They're not, uh, they give no entitlement to nationality, although they do allow the holders to stay in the UK without a visa for six months. But anyway, though they, they, a many, great many of them were issued and that's been whittled down. There's only about 200,000 odd people who are now still carrying B&Os because on the whole they proved to be completely useless. But um, the, the, the point is this, if, if, for example, the Liberal Democrats have their way, those could be transferred into being full passports, much in the way as Portugal did for the residents of, of Macau before 1999, when the handover occurred there. They simply said, you've all got Portuguese passports. Shouldn't the Brits have done this anyway? Well, there was quite a lot of pressure at the time. I mean, it's interesting, and we haven't talked about this, that Simon Cheng, who, who was working in the British consulate here for two years, the guy who got arrested and yesterday revealed that he'd yeah, been yeah, tortured yeah. and uh, held for 15 days. He also um, doesn't have a British passport. He, he um, presumably has a, a SAR passport. Right. But anyway, the fact of the matter is that, that, that um, part of his statement was that he's applying for asylum overseas. And in fact, the foreign secretary... Dominic Raab did say in a statement that they're going to give sympathetic consideration. So they can basically say so he they have can, a So they can, to him and his fiancée, apparently. But, I mean, that case is still... I, I mean, at the time, it was odd. You know, he, 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 was, he was detained for soliciting a prostitute. But they always say that. I mean, countries you know, all over the world always yeah. say that stuff. But, I mean, even if that was true, and I have no idea whether it was or wasn't, you don't normally torture people... <laughs> for that. You don't normally hold them incommunicado for that. You don't normally get them to sign a confession that they were behind the protests in Hong Kong for that. So, you know, it goes on and on and on. What he has confirmed, which is very chilling, is that he was arrested at the high-speed terminal station. Do you remember all that fuss yes, I over do. the jurisdiction of China so in, in, Kow in Kowloon yeah. over over um, that patch of land and we were solemnly assured that this was purely for traffic control you know why should anybody get hysterical about the idea that people would actually be arrested there uh, it turns out because that's precisely what happened and nobody has contradicted that that is what happened so mm. we now know that, that that what was what was hysterical last year actually is reality this year that's instead the high-speed train that nobody's using, but maybe we won't get into that. But people said that kind of thing <laughs> was going to happen. People did say that was going to happen, and, and it, lo and and behold, it has the happened. shopkeeper appeared. And then we have the very, very popular and, and in, in every other way, irreproachable Secretary for Justice comparing her situation in London, 
with that of Simon Cheng. Some people may say it's rather different. She tripped over and broke her arm. Oh, she didn't broke her arm. She fractured her arm. Um, and she's saying, you know, my situation in London is much the same as his. And she said, because she's so damn stupid, she said he should have done what I did, which was reported, reported it to the police. So what she's saying is, in London, of course, when you report something to the police, you have a fair chance of... Um, we might get a smacking, of, of being but... investigated, perhaps in an impartial manner. I mean, you know, I, she she reported to the Metropolitan Police. They have their own problems, but by and large, you report an alleged crime to them, and they will investigate it in an impartial manner. What she's saying Simon Cheng should do is report to the people who arrested him that he was arrested and complained about the treatment that they gave to him. Yeah. Well done, Teresa. You yet again have have, All right. have have established your reputation as a formidable legal mind. Too much oxygen going in this direction. There is. Let's go to an email here from Biker. Biker. Who says, I would like to mention that since so many traffic lights are not working, the driving around Kowloon is much more smoother and moving. <laughs> there you go, Steve. He just came in here whinging about the traffic lights. I did, I did come people, in whinging about that. People are being that. very... Um, yeah, I mean... Cool. I, I, I have to say... Um, he, he he does have a point. Occasionally, it does speed up the traffic, but I was I was in I was stuck in a traffic jam near near Quintong, and um, what happened in that traffic jam was, was a bus driver <laughs> yeah. got out, put his bus across the road, and and sort of created a lane for people to get out. And this bus driver, I mean, good on him. He got the traffic moving again. There were no <laughs> cops around to do it. So, you know, it's, I mean, these, we're in extreme situations and we've kind of got used to the fact that before you go out at night, you don't know whether you can get home because the MTR may or may not be shut. The roads may or may not be blocked. Yeah. But the, 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 the um, enormous initiative of Hong Kong people in sorting this out. It's really quite impressive. This takes us back to where we started this morning, talking about it actually being a very cool place. These are the fundamental things that, when tasked, people here will pull off beautifully. We'll step up. We'll step up. That what? is the point. Well, I, I, I'm just wondering... Um, <laughs> whether, well, I, I'm, I'm, why should I be laughing? This is not a funny matter. But, I mean, there is, there has been, in, in the midst of this really quite ghastly situation at PolyU. This very interesting intervention by Janyuk Singh and, and, and others, but primarily by Janyuk Singh because he's the most well-known person who went into the campus. Remember, no member of the administration as it stands, none of the waxworks, not only could they not think of going in, but they couldn't possibly have gone in <coughs> and emerged mm. or done anything useful. I mean, there was that charming incident where Matthew Jung, the uh, secretary, chief secretary, or whatever he's called, anyway, who cares, um, said, oh, maybe we should all go out and sweep up the roads. Really, Matthew? Do you know what a brush is? See you there, mate. <laughs> See you there, yeah. Uh, but but, but uh, John Yot Singh and Eric Jung and various other people went into the campus, negotiated a um, a departure of, of, of a substantial number of the people in there. I mean, this showed a number of things. One is <coughs> that he is a very important member of the pro-China camp, but he has an integrity that simply isn't shared by, I don't think, anybody else in that camp. Remember when the LegCo chamber was occupied and mm. vandalised back in um, July, the only portrait that wasn't vandalised was Chan Yuk-sing's. That wasn't a coincidence. Mm. Um, so 
you know, there is a credible person in the pro-China camp who could possibly bring things together when they get rid of Carrie Lam, which is only a matter of time. I mean, the speculation is still that she'll go in March, but it could be any time. They have an option to put in someone who is quite clearly a loyalist to the cause. I mean, he, since he's been at school, has been a member of the Communist Party, although he, he doesn't confirm or deny it, but, you know... I think you can say in the same way as we kind of know that the Pope's a Catholic, that Janjuk Singh is a member of the Communist Party, who, who, who wouldn't have the support of the pro-democracy camp, but unlike the current bunch of waxworks, he has their respect. On you, Steve. Talk next week. Thank you.